I'd like to add my welcome to you this morning. My name's Kevin. I get to be one of the pastors here as well, and it's my call this morning to bring the teaching from uh, the Scripture uh, for us. We began last week a uh, sermon series um, called, that's, uh, Noah, did we get uh, the slides replaced? Or Sorry about this. I'll let you find the sermon slides. There we go. Um, We began last week a sermon series called Simple Prayer for Normal People. Uh, Simple prayer, meaning that we just bring our real selves before the living God. That we bring not uh, some sort of uh, edited version of ourselves, not some mock-up version that we need to somehow pretend or... um, put on a mask, if you will, in God's presence and play a part, but rather bringing our real selves into the presence of the living God and relating to him and communicating with him and uh, and getting to know him, relating to him as a person. You know, to to relate to a person, you need to communicate. You need to share uh, what's on your heart. You need to listen to one another. You need to enjoy one another. And um, sometimes, you know, we can sense this obstacle to prayer. We talked about last week of um, the sense that maybe God's just disappointed with me, that I, you know, I didn't love him with all of my heart. I didn't walk in his ways this week. I didn't um, obey his commandments perfectly. And so to come to God, maybe there's this sense that he would, that he would be disappointed in me, that he's like always frustrated with me. And who wants to be in the presence of someone who's disappointed and frustrated with you all the time? Um, and we remembered the gospel that, uh, that, that God is for us. He's a father who loves us. And his, he looks at us in Christ that in Jesus we have access. And, and in Jesus we have uh, a God whose faithful love, whose mercy, that's the word, it's the, the word that we were repeating this morning is the word, Hebrew word hesed, which means merciful, steadfast, unshakable love that is set upon us, that it endures forever. And so that we can come to him and we can enjoy, he can enjoy us, and we can enjoy him, because Jesus has made that way, that he has paid for all of our sin, all of our past sin, all of our present sin, even all of our future sin, dealt with fully and finally by Jesus, so that there is no separation from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so last week we talked about, um, uh, we introduced this model of prayer, of simple prayer, P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And we started by talking about pause last week. We said, you know, sometimes it's helpful to start by stopping, to take a moment and find a place Find a quiet place, quiet your heart, you know, silence the chatter of the world and the kind of nonstop 
noise that is the soundtrack of our lives and to quiet ourselves and as Jesus says, find, a, find the closet, find the inner room, find a quiet place to relate to God, to quiet your heart. This morning, we're going to talk about um, rejoice. Rejoice. The prayer, uh, prayer is always a response to God. That God is the one who, in, a, in our relationship, God is the one who's always taking the initiative towards us. He's, he's speaking the first word. He's making the first move. He's come to us, and he is willing to us. Now, Eugene Peterson wrote that, writes that he makes himself known. God makes himself known. And because he makes himself known, he is a God whom we know. You have to ponder that for a moment, that, that God is the one who is initiating towards us. He's he, we, he would be unknowable to us if he did not reveal himself to us. If he has not disclosed himself. He is, this is a God who has revealed himself to us and makes himself known to us. And because he has taken that initiative, because he takes that step of revelation to us, we can respond to him and we can know him. He, um, prayer is a response to God. And a responsiveness to God is one of rejoicing or, or worship or adoration, which is the desire of our heart to, to worship and honor and to bless and magnify God. But Timothy Keller writes, the movement of Christian prayer in the Bible is not so much inward, though there must be self-examination and repentance, but upward. To realize our true status in Christ and to align our hearts with that, that. That in prayer, the movement of prayer is to move upward more so than to move like inward in self-examination and self-awareness and confession. And we're going to talk about all of those things in the coming weeks. But like first and foremost, it's this moving upward towards God, lifting our eyes to stop navel-gazing for a moment and to lift our eyes to the one who sits in heaven, the one who is enthroned in the heavens, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who made us, the one who knows us, the one who sent his son for us, the one who is our savior and redeemer. And so as we see him and as we see our status in him, as his adopted child, as the, his beloved, his dearly loved one, our hearts become filled with gratitude, with praise, with adoration. And so beginning with a rejoicing in God, as in, can, can help prevent our prayers from uh, too quickly rushing into um, just asking him for things. If you're a parent, you can probably relate to this. Maybe you're, um, you know, you're, you're home and the, the kids are coming home from school and they, they barge in the door and they're like, Mom, I need this and I need you to do that. And can you take me there? And, the, and you're like, whoa, 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 just nice to see you. <laughs> right? Like, let's, how was your day? Like, let's, let's relate a little bit before you start listing off all the things you need me to do for you. And if we're, um, if we're not intentional, then our prayer lives can devolve into that, into just quickly rushing in and going through our list. Hey, God, quickly, um, if you could do this quick, I need you to do this, that, this, and that. 
Uh, and if you can do it quickly, I'd really appreciate it. See ya. See you next time. Right? We, um, beginning with an understanding of who God is, our place in Him, our status in Him, can make, um, actually, well, as we'll see, it will change the things we ask for and change the way that we ask for things, but it will change the, the very temperature of our relationship with Him. There are two sides, two aspects of a rejoicing, um, I think, and I think there are two sides of the same coin. It's hard to differentiate between them sometimes, um, but some authors would differentiate between and, and note thanksgiving, which is giving glory to God for what he's done for us, for the good gifts in our lives, and, and, and living in gratitude to him and, and returning thanks to him. And praise, which is giving glory to God for who he is in himself, like his very character, his nature, and and praising him for who he is, and not only for what he does. Now, I say there are two sides of the same coin because it's hard to know who someone is without um, seeing what they do, right? Our actions reveal our character, and it's the same with God, that God does what he does because he is who he is, that his actions are actually a revelation of his character. And so in some ways, they're the same, two sides of the same coin. And, there, and you see this in, um, in Scripture, that they're almost used not quite interchangeably, but on top of each other. For example, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Don't enter his courts with a long list of things you need him to do on the, on the hurry. Enter his gates with, with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Or Psalm 106, hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, play, praise Yahweh. Give, so praise, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. That has said again there. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will declare all your wondrous works. There's a, there's a, a attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude, of all the works that God has done that are wonderful for me. I will thank you with my heart. This is uh, Luke ten one. Is is speaking of Jesus at that time? He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus himself was a thankful person. He returned thanks to his Father. So if you want to be like Jesus, you'll, be, you'll, you'll pray with thanksgiving and rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. Or The Apostle Paul, how often does he begin? This is just one example of how he begins his letters. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Or he writes in Ephesians 5, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus um, did a miracle where he healed 10 uh, lepers, 10 people who were afflicted with leprosy. He heals them and he says, go show yourself to the priests and make the offering and so you can re-enter society. And uh, the 10 of them, they go on their way, but one returns to give thanks. And remember how Jesus' heart was moved by that? God's heart is moved as we give thanks to him for the, the blessings that we see. 
Often those, these thanksgivings to God and praise to God are in, t- in two broad car- categories would be around his creation. You see, you see this pattern actually in Psalm 136, which we read together um, this morning, that we praise you for, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my maker. You're the one who made the, the stars in the sky and you made the grasshoppers and the butterflies and the the grass of the field, you made the flowers, you are the one who's made it all. So you praise him as our creator, and you praise him as our redeemer. You're the one who led us through the Red Sea. You're the one who's delivered us from our enemies. You're the one who has forgiven all of our sins. So we give thanks and we give praise to him for his creation as well as for his redemption. Uh, some more scriptures on praise. Just The scriptures are filled with this. He, this is Deuteronomy 10, He, Yahweh, is your praise and He is your God who has done for you these great and awe-inspiring works your eyes have seen. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel after they've been led out of slavery and captivity in Egypt and through the Red Sea and in the wilderness and, and God says, He is your praise. He is your God. He's done these awe-inspiring works for you. Hallelujah. My soul, praise the Lord. This is the psalmist is like speaking to himself. My soul, soul, self, praise God. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing to my God as long as I live. And praise is the activity in the presence of God around the throne in Revelation 5. We have the elders and the, the living creatures saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, some have pointed out that um, it can, we can, if, when you see these invocations to praise and giving thanks to God and God. God encouraging us, even commanding us, and saying, yes, like the very purpose, like you'll find your very purpose in worshiping me and giving thanks and praise to me. You can say the, the picture that we can create in our mind is some, somewhat of a pathetic God who's like sitting back and he's like, can somebody please praise me? Can someone please tell me how great I am? Right? Like people like that who just need to be constantly, they're so insecure, right? Like I need you to keep constantly telling me how awesome I am. It's like, is God so insecure that he needs our constant praise? And C.S. Lewis and others have pointed out, like, no, actually God doesn't tell us to praise him for his sake, but for our sake. That it's actually good for us (laughs) to glorify most what is most glorious. To praise most what is most praiseworthy. To live our lives in alignment with reality. With ultimate reality. So that our lives actually come into alignment with the way in which this world was made. And way the which things really are. When we praise and give thanks. When we worship. When we acknowledge him. This word acknowledge is a, uh, it's a word that's, it's especially in the Old Testament, it's throughout the Old Testament, and especially the book of Hosea, it's filled with this, this idea of acknowledging God. When it's filled with the, 
the, the word acknowledge that's translated there is actually really connected to the word knowing, that to acknowledge the Lord is to know the Lord, to relate to Him, but to acknowledge Him. And um, Hosea chapter 4, um, Hosea is kind of speaking out the word of the Lord about how, how far people have fallen and how um, the state of, uh, of the people of being so far from God and having abandoned God. And it says there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. They don't acknowledge Him, which means they don't acknowledge Him for who He is and all that He's done. They don't offer thanks to Him. They don't offer praise to Him. They, don't, they fail to acknowledge Him, and that's the, a sign of how far they've fallen. And then Hosea says, speaking like a word to the people, he says, let, like, let us return to the Lord. And then he says in Hosea 6.3, he says, let us acknowledge the Lord and let us press on to acknowledge him. That to return to him is to return to an acknowledgement of who he is and all that he's done. As we were praying in our pre-service prayer this morning, um, Jeff brought to memory Romans chapter 1 for us, that, that Paul in Romans 1 talks about how far people have fallen. He says, they did not give glory to God as God or give him thanks. That to, to fall short of the glory of God, to depart from God, is to, is, to, is to refuse or to stop acknowledging him, to, to stop giving thanks to him. to stop praising Him, to stop worshiping Him. So what are some obstacles? It's difficult. It's challenging. It's demanding at times. Um, what are some obstacles to rejoicing? One is attention, that the demands of our life, again, living at such a frenetic pace, um, we can miss God's work and God's ways and God's nature and His character, and, we, and we're just not paying attention to it. And we're just trying to get through the day, and we're not really stopping to reflect. We miss it. We, sometimes, um, sometimes we can even, uh, so this is, this is true of me at times for sure, I can read the Scripture, and I'm, and I'm so focused on analysis. I'm trying to figure out what it means and what it says and what's true, and like, and you miss the worship. You miss doxology, if you will. Like your analysis over doxology. Like you're missing the heart of it, which is to acknowledge him and to praise him and to relate to him and to thank him. As opposed to just like, hmm, what does this mean? Not that, not that that's not important. There's a place for that. But there's... There's a heart that's primary, and the heart that's primary is to, is to praise and to worship, to glorify God. To as C.S. Lewis says, we can ignore the smell of deity of our lives, that our lives have, this, have this, the odor, the smell of deity all about them, and we miss it because we're not paying attention. Another obstacle, if we're honest with ourselves, is, is that of greed, that we're not satisfied with the life we have. We're not satisfied with the circumstances that we have and are always kind of demanding more and which can prevent reflection on God's grace towards us and his good gifts towards us. 
and this, this uh, ever-increasing desire for more and more and more chokes out gratitude in our lives. But contentment can actually is, it, but, but cultivating this attitude of contentment can um, be the soil in which gratitude and praise can grow again. Or pride. You know, my life, I've worked pretty stinking hard for what I got. I think I kind of deserve what I got. I've earned it all. That sense of deserving, of pride, it's like there's, that again chokes out gratitude in our lives, right? The sense of like, what, what do I have in my life that's a gift? Like I've worked for it all. I've built this life. And while yes, hard work and diligence and discipline and effort are good, what in your life do you have that's not a gift? What in your life do you have that's not a gift of God's grace? Who gave you that strength? Who gave you that intellect? Who gave you that environment, that family? Where, like, what do you have in your life that you haven't received by, by, by grace? Another obstacle to rejoicing is ignorance of God. We don't know who he is. We don't know his character. And so it's hard to, to praise someone you don't know. It's hard to praise someone you're not paying attention to, that you're ignorant of. So how do we learn to rejoice? If, I think this is, it's, first of all, let's acknowledge that it's something that can be learned and something to be learned, that we need to learn gratitude. It's something to be practiced. See, um, again, if, you're, if you've raised kids from infancy and um, you know you've really not had to teach them to start at, to teach them to ask you for things, right? Like that comes pretty natural. Like for them to become demanding, like that's, that's, that's baked in. That, come, that comes out. But teaching gratitude, is that, how natural is that, right? Uh, how many times do you say, say thank you, say thank you? And, and never mind actually mean it. Like, we have to train them to even say it. Never mind for them to feel it and to be genuinely thankful. Like, so gratitude and praise of someone other than yourself is actually uh, something to, to be practiced, to learn, to grow in. Requires transformation um, by God's Spirit. But it's something that we can learn and practice. And so, there we go, wrong slide. Um, number one, I would say that to, to grow in this, our lives must be immersed in Scripture. Peterson, again, Eugene Peterson says, the starting point for prayer is immersion in God's Word. Because prayer is this response to God, that God is taking this first step of revealing Himself to us. He's revealed himself to us in Jesus by scriptures. And so having a life that's immersed in the scripture is a prerequisite to learning to praise God and to worship him. It is a response to him. So um, 
I mean, here's a little bit of a longer quote from Eugene Peterson again. I, again, he's someone who's taught me a lot through his writing about prayer, especially in praying the Psalms. Um, so he writes this, and then I'll try to unpack this a little bit for us. He says, what is critical is that we speak to the God who speaks to us and to everything that he speaks to us. And in our speaking, which gathers up our listening and answering, so that in our speaking we mature in the great art of conversation with God, that is prayer. There's a difference between praying to an unknown God to whom we hope to discover in our praying and praying to a known God revealed through Israel and in Jesus Christ who speaks our language. So he's, he's, he's contrasting two types of praying, right? Just showing up to pray and, and hope to pray to the God who's out there who I don't really know anything about. And, and, and God, here I am, and would you reveal yourself to me? And, and this is what's on my heart. And you start speaking to a God, but you don't really know who he is. And we hope to discover him in our praying versus praying to a God who has spoken to us. Praying to a God who's revealed himself to us in Israel and in Jesus Christ who speaks our language. He says, in the first, we indulge our appetite for religious fulfillment. In the second, we practice obedient faith. The first is a lot more fun. The second is a lot more important. What is essential in prayer is not that we learn to express ourselves, which we, though we do need to do, but that we learn to answer God. See, a life of prayer must is in response to a God who has spoken, into a response to a God who has said to us, this is what I'm like, and this is what I've done. And if I am like this, and I have done this, when we see him for who he is, and we see what he's done for us in creation and in redemption, praise is the natural and right response. You see, I would be slightly concerned about there's a number of um, more popular and modern authors who are advocating a type of prayer that is a return to what I would call the medieval mystics, or not me, that's who they are, the medieval mystics, where knowledge of God, where they are pursuing a knowledge of God that's above concepts, that knowledge that registers in the soul passively without an idea or a concept or rationality at all, and to, with the goal of attending to God only and not to words or ideas. But God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ, who is the Word, John chapter 1. And God has revealed to himself to us in the Scriptures. And Paul says, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. And so... Um, I said last week that, you know, pausing and being quiet before the Lord and seeking to empty of ourselves so in order to be filled with God is not Eastern mysticism. But there is like a, there is a, a danger and a, and a, a, a yellow caution flag. Um, and so I'd agree with J.I. Packer who wrote that non-cognitive closeness to God in which the mind is emptied of all personal thoughts about him and indeed, all thoughts whatsoever is Eastern mysticism and Western dress. Though he says there is a place for silence before God, enjoying loving one another. And so, um, some of this medieval mystic 
type of prayer that, again, some are advocating, is this praying with, without rationality and without thoughts and this emptying of our mind and emptying of ourself in order to just relate to, to God at a spiritual level, but that somehow transcends the Word and the revelation of God in His Word. And I would just wave a little yellow flag there and say, let's be a people who are immersed in Scripture. And in our prayer, uh, there is much to be gained from praying the Psalms. The, the prayer book of the Bible, the prayer book of Jesus was the Psalms. And, um, and Peterson, again, he, he would point out that the Psalms are this edited uh, volume, that they were put together in a certain order and in, in, with intentionality. And they're, they're put together in five books. And each of the five books end with a psalm of praise, pure praise. And then at the very end of the psalm book, the Psalter, the last five psalms are all praise psalms. There's nothing but praise in the last five psalms, Psalm 145 to 50. But he says the first psalm kind of isn't really a prayer at all. It's a declaration of who's blessed. How happy is the one who doesn't walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, which is a reference to the Torah, the Word of God. And he meditates on it day and night. Peterson is saying to pray the Psalms, to pray before God is to come and to be one who meditates on God's Word to us who takes in God's Word and ruminates on it, who chews on it, who, who, who meditates on it, who allows God to take that first step of revelation, of speaking to us, and then in our praying to respond to Him. And so, if you're looking for help in, in prayer, and in, pray, in living a life of prayer that's immersed in Scripture, begin with reading a psalm or a part of a psalm. And seeing where, where in this, what in this can I praise God? How can I praise God in this psalm? Because this whole life of prayer is moving towards praise. And then lastly, um, or second lastly, <laughs> as your life is immersed in Scripture, as you take in Scripture, reflect on who God is. That is to praise Him. So you reflect on the God that we pray to. We re remember that He is Trinity, that He is a triune God. Trinity means, if you're, you've probably heard this word, but maybe you're not, you don't aware of this teaching of the, of the church that God, there's one God with three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are not one. There's not one person. There's three persons, but there is not three gods. There's one God, and the Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. They're distinct, and yet they are united in one being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray to the Father, as Jesus taught us, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. We pray to the Father through our great mediator between the Father and us, Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, Come for us to be that mediator, which is the go-between, 
the one by whom we have access, the one by whom, this great high priest, Hebrew says, by whom we have access to the throne of grace, to the throne of God. We can come through Christ because he has secured that for us. And we pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray by the Holy Spirit, who actually, Romans 8 says, intercedes for us as we pray. Because sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray, and so he kind of interprets it for us in God's presence so that it's, it's, it's a little better than what we would come up with on our own. And so we reflect on who this God is that we praise. We reflect on him as our creator. We reflect on him as our redeemer and savior. We reflect on him as the one who is intimately involved in the details of our lives. And we think of the, and, we, and try to remember the, the little things, even the small things of his, of his grace that are evident in your life and return thanks and acknowledge him. And then lastly, this time I promise it's the last, reflect on what he's done. Reflect that he's adopted you as his child. Reflect that he has never left you or forsaken you. Reflect on the, on the truth. Whatever the scripture that, you've, that is in front of you is revealing about what he's done for you. That speaks of his faithfulness and kindness towards you. That he is good to you. And so our goal in this um, in this season as a church, is to, to become a praying church, to become a people increasingly who are people of prayer who then make up a church of prayer. If you'd like, again, we're running this prayer course on Tuesday evenings as well as in life groups, um, but if you, we had the first session last Tuesday, you can still come out this week, 7.30, out in the fireside room. On Tuesday evening, we'd love to have you. If you can let me know if you're coming, that would be helpful too. But let's be a people whose lives are immersed in Scripture, who take it in like daily bread, and who pay attention to it for who God is and offer Him praise, and who pay attention to what He's done for us and offer Him thanks. So would you join me? Our Father in heaven, how good you are to us. How good you are in taking the step of revealing yourself, of speaking to us. How good and gracious of you to send your son. How loving of you to send your son Jesus into the world. And how loving it is that you send the Holy Spirit to live in our bodies now and to live among the the gathering of your people. To reveal the heart of the Father to us and to reveal Christ to us. And so we offer you thanks. We offer you thanks for this church family that we get to belong to and to, that we, where we can support and love one another. And we thank you for this work that you're doing in this world, this work of redemption, of making all things new. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will return fully and finally to finish that great redemption. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a people of praise, that we would not be those who, who neglect or refuse to acknowledge you, that we would not be a, a, a proud people or a greedy people, but that we would nurture contentment and humility. And so send your Spirit to work this in us, 
And as we put this into practice, as we seek to be doers of your word, and as we seek to learn and grow and develop and practice and try, Holy Spirit, would you join yourself to our effort so that we would learn and grow and be changed. All for your glory, we pray. Amen.